0: I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling.
1: And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start.
0: And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time.
1: This week, we ring in a new year with the episode of NXT that originally aired on January 1st, 2014. And you know what that means. Oh my gosh, I think I do. I mean, yes, there's a a two out of three falls match. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) We're going to talk about that. But also, you can now follow along with the show on Hulu. Yes! And you don't have to worry about giving Vince McMahon your fucking money. We made it, Bob! We made it! We did it! Episode 33 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, we covered William Regal's last wrestling match against Cesaro. We cried. We hugged, but like virtually, because there's still a pandemic on. (laughs) Yes. But it's okay because it was beautiful. Now this week, is a little less about our feelings and a little bit more about our expectations, as several things occur that I suspect Bob didn't think could ever happen, from a two-out-of-three falls match ending in just two falls, to an NXT wrestler beating a main roster wrestler, to Colin Cassidy beating Aiden English in a sing-off, to Mason Ryan losing a match to a wrestling supermodel in like a minute. We'll hear about all of these and other unexpected occurrences during Bob's breakdown, and then the surprises will continue when we ring the bell for one of our oldest friends here in NXT. Oh my gosh, okay. Eyes, ears, hearts, and possibly other body parts will be featured in the sight, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling, (laughs) and we'll take a quick spin through the wrestling term of the week before setting out into the terrifying unknown that is the Cheap Pop Quiz. But first, we have to get the answers from last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz, and Bob already has four points, so I'm starting to get worried. I that, think you uh, got me this time that more Pigeon Romance might be on the horizon. <laughs> Let's see how she did. Question number one, Scott Dawson is injured and he's going to be out for a while. That leaves Sylvester LaFort without a client, and he has to go looking for one backstage. Who does LaFort attempt to recruit into the Legionnaires? Was it a Tyler Breeze? B, Mason Ryan, C, Aiden English, D, Adrian Neville, or E, Bo Dallas. Bob, you went with A, Tyler Breeze, and sadly, that is incorrect. As you now know, the answer is B, Mason Ryan.
0: I think it makes more sense if you tried for Tyler Breeze, but you know. I
1: agree with you, and Tyler Breeze is very much involved in the storyline, But uh, but yeah, it was B, Mason Ryan. Question number two. The next episode also features a sing-off between Aiden English and Colin Cassidy. Oh boy. How does this go down? A, Cassidy sings terribly and is thoroughly outclassed by English, but of course, the audience is the judge and they cheer loudest for Cassidy, so he wins. B, Cassidy sings terribly and is thoroughly outclassed by English, and despite the fact that Cass planked playing to the crowd while English insults them, they cheer loudest for English and he wins, despite the fact that he clearly wasn't supposed to. Bob, that was the answer that you chose. Uh, okay. C. Cassidy sings terribly, but before English can sing, Enzo hits him from behind with a low blow. Enzo and Cass then proceed to beat up English. D. English sings beautifully, but just as Cass is about to sing, Enzo hits English from behind the a low blow. Enzo and Cass then proceed to beat up English. Or E. Cassidy comes out in a super nice suit, sings a bunch of insults at in English to the tune of Danny Boy, and wows the crowd with his pipes. After he wins the sing-off, English beats him up. And that, as it turns out, was the correct answer. <laughs> no one could have seen that coming. No one.
0: Nostradamus would have been like, nah. That's I was true. so
1: delighted during the process of writing that question. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, next episode's main event is the two out of three falls match between Leo Kruger and Sami Zayn. Who wins and what's the score? A. Zayn two to one. B. Kruger two to one. C. Zayn two to zero. D. Kruger two to zero. Or E. Draw. Bob, you went with Kruger two to one. B. And as you now know, the answer was C, Zane, two to zero. Shocking. We'll talk about all of this later in the show, but I have indeed skunked Bob, and that makes me feel a little bit better about this round of quizzing. (laughs) So Bob, we've uh, set up a lot of this stuff in this intro. I've set up your pins. It's time to knock them down. Let's get into Bob's breakdown.
0: Oh, dang, we're starting with the wrestling immediately in this episode. Mm -hmm. It is Rusev versus Kofi Kingston. And I love Kofi Kingston. I have seen him in a few things and he's incredible. But most crucially to me personally, he had ring gear that was themed on Skeletor. I mean, yes, he did. Google it, people. It is magnificent. Miles, Google it right now. Was he wearing that gear for the match? All right, all right. Not this match, but a different match.
1: Oh, oh, oh okay. Are you yes. kidding?
0: If it was this match, I would have been screaming at you immediately <laughs> the entire time.
1: Yeah, Kofi is. uh, Kofi and Woods are both like unbelievable nerds, and Biggie likes to make fun of them for it. <laughs> So I'm
0: fully expecting Kofi to take this match easily because he's from Mm -hmm. the main roster and I know how this show works. Yeah. Except for with Natalia for some reason where they let Natalia, you know, get pinned and things, but whatever. So the bell goes and Rusev herds Kofi to the corner with his knees. And then he herds Kofi's kidneys right into his spine (laughs) with some knees to the gut. Kofi is like one third the size of Rusev. But when Kofi starts to battle back, it's clear that his strength is how amazing he is at flying around the ring. He careens backward from the top rope at Rusev like he's reversing an invisible sports car at top speed. And he (laughs) does the drop kick that rivals Sami Zayn for sheer street fighter jumpitude. And then when Kofi goes to the top rope for a big move, Lana interferes, which gives Rusev the opening to get Kofi in the camel clutch. Kofi's not going to tap, though, right? That's not going to happen. Wrong! For some reason, they have Kofi lose to Rusev. I was so upset because I was like, Kofi's great. Let Kofi do all the fun Kofi stuff. I'm guessing this is because Kofi is a small guy relative to Rusev and, you know, to the Rusev's and Brock Lesnar's of the genre and is black, both of which are things that WWE tends to take issue with.
1: Yeah, you're probably not wrong about that. Even then, it's a little bit baffling to see a main roster guy come down to NXT and lose to uh, an NXT guy. Yeah. But it seems like they're pushing Rusev pretty hard. And Kofi, okay. like, at this point, Kofi isn't really... Oh, he's not you know, Kofi yet. In early 2014, Kofi is kind of... Aimless in okay. WWE. And so he's not the kind of guy that you would expect to to necessarily win a match under any circumstances. Beyond that, he's smaller and black, as you mentioned. So, um, yeah, I think all of those things contribute to his loss to Rusev here.
0: I want to contextualize Kofi on the and I'm inventing this now, the Kurt Hawkins scale of of notability, from Kurt Hawkins to Van Dam, where <laughs> is Kofi Kingston at this particular point?
1: He's above Hawkins, but not by a ton. Okay. He has been losing a lot lately at this point of his career, most recently to uh, Bray Wyatt, actually. Oh, okay. The New Day was a real renaissance for his career, and The New okay. Day is um, very much on the horizon at this point, so okay. he is not super high up on the WWE ladder.
0: So I want to do a quick sidebar to say that during almost all the episode, but especially this match, Regal and Alex Riley are catfighting about just stupid shit. (laughs) Like just going, Oh, your accent, Oh, your college degree or lack thereof. Like it's very weird, but Regal tries so hard at the end to put over Kofi By saying there's not a man breathing on this earth who could have possibly avoided tapping out to that maneuver. And so I really appreciated that Regal at the last minute was like making it seem like one, that Rusev had really done something impressive. And two, that Kofi isn't a weak main roster uh, wrestler for tapping out to that move.
1: Yeah, I thought he did a really good job in that regard. Uh, Less so talking about like the women that he's with having lumps on their faces or whatever he was saying. Um,
0: Regal is being real regally.
1: Alex Riley is just fucking unbearable. Like let's just get yeah. that out of the way. I don't want to think we need to talk about it very much, but like <laughs> he's so bad. And and he's bad in a really specific way when Regal is with him, yes. where he like where he like decides that they need to have this antagonistic relationship and then people give a fuck about like him like throwing these really half-hearted, nonsense jabs at Regal. I actually really do enjoy Regal, like, slapping him down. Mm. There's, like, the random bit where Riley starts talking about ostrich fur, and even Tom is like, ostriches don't have fur. What's wrong with you? And then there's the bit later where Riley starts talking about how he's never been in a two out of three Vols match, and Regal's like, you've only had 50 matches.
0: Yeah, that was, like, brutal.
1: I was like, Oh, man, roasted. It's real bad. And Riley is just like... Trying to like do these weak, like hostile serves in Regal's direction and Regal just keeps smashing him back. It's tiresome, but I think it would be more tiresome if Regal wasn't doing what he was doing. Do you know what I mean? I can accept that. I mean I would
0: rather both of them went to timeout and we got Renee Young back and Yeah, me you know too. What? But and like, Brad Maddox. Actually, I miss yeah, Brad Maddox.
1: I miss Brad Maddox too. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Maddox,
0: wherever you are, I hope you're having a
1: nice day. We appreciate you, Brad. We really do. We do.
0: So backstage, Sylvester LaFour is looking for a client. Bull Dempsey shows up. Sylvester LaFour fat shames Bull Dempsey, a dude who could probably bench press Sylvester LaFour no problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then behind him, a wild stallion appears. Ooh. Yeah, it's my pony, Mason Ryan. And he actually talks? Yeah. And he has a Welsh accent. <laughs> he dollars. does. He shoves a dollar in Laforte's mouth and calls him an idiot. Standing ovation. I was
1: just like, oh,
0: my God, they let Mason Ryan say words.
1: <laughs> Such a weird segment. We've, oh, yeah. We've seen Bull Dempsey once before. He got squashed by Aiden English like a while ago. Yeah. And this is his second appearance. And he just like shows up, gets fat shamed and leaves what a weird place to work
0: WWE must be in some <laughs> regards as a performer just to go well what's my motive? okay never mind
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then Mason Ryan just shows up and LaForte's like are you here to audition and Ryan's like what audition and it's like why are you here <laughs> <laughs> I heard there was gonna be oats hopefully Hall as well but at least oh man <sighs>
0: I knew this was gonna creep in there as soon as you had a kid. It was like I'm gonna be subjected to some hollow oats jokes, aren't I? Like that's a law somewhere in the dad book of codes or whatever. It's uh, like once you once you have created progeny in the world, yeah. you have to make a hollow oats joke.
1: I prefer Garfunkel and Oates personally, but that's just Aww, me.
0: They're lovely. Match number two. Natalia comes to the ring looking like a femme lesbian cowgirl. (laughs) Yes, rodeo queen. She's got a pink and black crop top with white leather fringe and has on cowboy boots. I mean,
1: she she has the best outfits. Like every time I see Natalia, she just has the best outfits.
0: Notice me, senpai. So perfect. (laughs) And then uh, my precious bubble dancer, Emma, stabs her way to the ring. Her stabs have gotten more aggressive lately. I feel like she's really starting to show some attitude with it instead
1: of just being like, I'm just happy. Yeah, I thought that, too. I was watching this episode and I was like, she's actually really like got this down now. She's walking that line a lot more
0: confidently than she was whenever we first met Emma. And Natalia and Emma lock up and the crowd is screamy as hell. They're so into it. And I love seeing this kind of enthusiasm for a women's match. I was really happy to hear that. That I think this was the match they were the hottest for.
1: Well, and it was by far the best match of the night. Like, no disrespect to Sami Zayn and Leo Kruger, but yeah. this match fucking ruled. I agree. And... From the very beginning, they have that, like, great series of, like, wrestling exchanges that is so fucking amazing. I love it so much. Mm,
0: Okay, I wanted to ask about this. So, they're not letting go of each other very much at the beginning. They're maintaining a lot of body contact. Yes. Obviously, it's all very homoerotic. That goes without saying. But am I I watching a mostly technical match?
1: Yes, you very much are.
0: Okay, because I was going, like, wait a second. Yeah. Wait a second, I think this might be my first women's technical match, or match that's primarily technical.
1: Yeah, I think this is the first women's match we've seen where both the wrestlers are, like, noted technicians. Okay. Um, because you, we've seen Emma wrestle a technical style, but this is the first time you've seen two women who are both known for being good like mat wrestlers and submission wrestlers go at each other. And that's actually the story of the match, because they talk on commentary about how Natalia is a submission specialist and Emma makes her tap out. Yeah. So that's really reinforced by the mat wrestling exchange at the beginning, where they are very close together. There's not a lot of separation. They're going back and forth, switching up holds and, you know, doing really classic traditional uh, wrestling moves to one another. Matt wrestling and professional wrestling is professional wrestling's facsimile of amateur wrestling. That is the weirdest Ouroboros. And as a result, when you get performers in a professional wrestling ring that can do amateur wrestling, they make the professional version of amateur wrestling look most like amateur wrestling, therefore the most real. And that's why they get so much credit for being good technicians is because since they actually know how to wrestle, they can create the most realistic effect, the most realistic facsimile of amateur wrestling in a pro wrestling context, if that makes sense.
0: Oh my God. I love that description so much. I love it. So Natalia sells the shit out of the dilemma. Like, She's a B horror film heroine. And the dilemma is whenever Emma does her little spider on the ropes thing.
1: Yes, which is technically illegal, but she's allowed to do it for four seconds.
0: Yeah. And then Natalia just wilts to the mat, overcome with the spideriness of Emma. And Emma does. She goes to the other corner and does some little pony stops. And yeah. runs at Natalia, who dodges out of the way, and then Emma gets seduced into a stretch that looks like sex yoga, which I want to distinguish <laughs> sex yoga from whenever it looks like some Kama Sutra shit, because this is not as like, oh, this is just sexy. This is like, this is sexy and practical.
1: So I'm assuming the move you're talking about, which I uh, which I also wanted to talk about, is the one where Natalia's like on her back. She has her legs wrapped up in Emma's legs and she's arching up. So both their legs are in the air.
0: No, actually. Although I do want to talk about that one as well. Okay, I'm okay, talking about sorry, whenever it one? was the the full body stretch, the, the side oh, stretch.
1: Oh, yeah. So she's got yeah. like an abdominal stretch, but she's got her leg as well. And she's yanking on her leg.
0: Yes. Natalia's yeah. cradling Emma's body and tenderly stretching the frick out of her hammy. And sometimes you need help getting your hammy stretched. <laughs> and then Emma's other leg is intertwined with Natalia. My eyes turned into rainbows. (laughs) I thought the other move was actually less romantic.
1: Yeah, that move looks fucking painful. Yeah. More than romantic.
0: Yeah, for sure. It doesn't look fun, especially because I'm like, no, I don't. My neck is tender. I don't want my neck being like crunched like that.
1: That looks awful. I want to be clear. I don't know what that move was. I don't know what it's called. I. I don't know how I would describe it in wrestling terms. I don't think I've ever seen it before. That was... It's a crazy submission hole that really made me go, what the fuck?
0: Emma gets out of this and Natalia goes for the sharpshooter. But Emma Mm. resists the sharpshooter and gets her into the Emma lock. And then Natalia taps. And uh, Miles, I was wondering, is the point of this match to legitimize Emma's contender status for the title match or was it something else?
1: I'm pretty sure it has to be. That seemed to be the entire purpose of this match is to have Emma go up against Natalia, an established veteran, a submission specialist, make her tap out. This match was also to determine who gets to challenge Paige for the title. So even
0: though Natalia just challenged Paige for the title like two weeks ago,
1: look, they, you know. Yeah, look. I do.
0: <laughs> but I <laughs> thought it was weird because when the match ended, William Regal just went, wow. Like, he was kind of astonished that that's how it ended, which I'm not used to any of the commentators being shocked by the ending.
1: Yeah, he did a really good job, I thought, in that regard. I think in the fiction, Emma beating Natalia should be seen as an underdog victory. And in particular, for her to submit her is Mm -hmm. a big deal. We've talked about the fact that submissions are a bigger deal than pinfalls because... With a pinfall, it's like, okay, you got me. Sometimes you can do the roll-up pinfall. Sometimes you can do, like, you know, you just like, oh, I hit me really hard, and and you got the three, but I kicked out right after the three, you know. Or even when it's a decisive pinfall, it's like, it's still, I was not physically able to stop this from happening. With Mm. a tap-out, it's, the pain is too great, and I am going to decide that you are the winner of this match so that I can stop you from hurting me. So... I think the fact that it's a submission victory in particular is meant to be like, no, Emma is a contender.
0: Okay. I did feel like it made Emma look super good to me in a way that Emma doesn't always because Emma's character doesn't lend itself to like I'm vicious, I'm yes. I'm a fighter. It you know, yes. she's a dancer. Yeah,
1: you know, establishing a wrestler's legitimacy in the ring is a really important thing and a really important part of wrestling, and I think this match did a wonderful job of that.
0: And then it ends with Natty hoisting Emma's arm up in victory. And then they dance together. And it was so great.
1: (laughs) We talked about uh, sportsmanship back on episode 27. I talked about the handshake and the hug. But there is also the the grabbing the wrist and holding it up. And that's a big deal, too.
0: So good. And then everybody buckle up, because next is the (laughs) sing-off. Aiden English enters in mint green pants, looking amazing. Colin Cassidy enters in a suit. Yeah. It's not a well-fitted suit, as <laughs> is the rule with all mid-budget costume departments. You know, there's not enough money for a fitted suit. But right. it is a
1: suit. He looks good it too.
0: Yeah. He looks totally good. English sings some Italian opera. The crowd is warm, but they're not really hot for it. They're kind of like, well, Yeah. Nice. Cassidy acts like he's going to choke. And I thought, Oh, okay. That's going to be the gimmick of this thing is that Cassidy chokes. And then he busts out a parody of Danny Boy with vibrato and everything. Yep. That's the most I've ever liked Colin Cassidy. It (laughs) made me feel like a bad person because I know that Cass and Enzo are not good people. And I was like, I'm, I'm pro Cassidy right now. I'm a monster and the crowd is. All about Cassidy, which makes English demand a rematch right now, because otherwise, you know, it's a decisive Cassidy victory. And then Cassidy fucking stomps him with a parody of My Girl, and the whole crowd starts clapping along and singing, You Suck, Miles, (laughs) Art. This was art.
1: I thought this was so well done uh, it's it's unbelievable to me first we've had a well done dance off and now we've, i mean a reasonably well done dance yeah. off and now we've done a well done sing-off the crowd is solidly behind english when he comes out like when yeah. english comes out to the ring they're chanting his name but this thing that they do where cassidy is like kind of nervous and like doesn't know if he can do it and kind of <coughs> you know yes. into the microphone a little bit of fire and when he starts actually singing, the crowd goes nuts. And when it comes time to judge them, the crowd is so solidly on Cassidy's side. Like, I love the NXT audience for being so willing to, like, buy into shit like this. Yeah. But the fact that the segment worked so well that they were actually cheering for English on his way to the ring. By the time you get to the end of it, they're doing what you want them to do, which is cheering for Cassidy. Mm -hmm. I just, it's so good. And then like English attacks him from behind and the crowd is booing him.
0: Majesty. And then maybe a little less majestic for me personally, because it's match three. It's Tyler Breeze. I'm trying to lean into it. I'm like, maybe I can make this work. Maybe Mm -hmm. other people like Tyler Breeze. Maybe I like olives. Maybe they're not that bad. I do actually like olives now. (laughs) Maybe I just need to get drunk enough and then I'll really like Tyler Breeze. That's how I learned to like green olives. <laughs> and then Mason Ryan comes out. I mean, my beautiful pony. How can I lean into Breeze when there's this equine magnificence? I mean, I'm only you human. Can't. Yeah, yeah. You So Breeze kicks him in the gut. I don't like this. Do not like it. Sylvester LaForte appears on the outside and he's harassing Ryan for his earlier rebuff. He's like... Do you not like Sizzler, Mason Ryan? His eyes (laughs) seem to say. Ryan gets Breeze up over his shoulder, like if Chanel did sacks of potatoes, and flings him at the ropes and then slides to the outside to just clothesline the tan right off of LaFord. But when Mason Ryan gets back in, Breeze surprises Ryan with the beauty shot and pins him for the win. And uh, you shiny bastard, how dare you? (laughs) Like... Can't Mason Ryan have good things?
1: No, I'm afraid the answer to that question now and forever, Bob, is no, he yeah. cannot.
0: Well, I mean, he's working for Cirque du Soleil now. I mean, right, not right now.
1: but he's... I mean, yeah, but there ain't no Cirque du
0: Soleil anymore. Yep, right, right. Match four. It's a two out of three falls match. I know this is only my third one. I'm kind of over them at the start of this because I'm like, <laughs> you showed me a beat the clock challenge. Like... That's all I want now is just beat mm. the clock challenges. Right. I mean, I admit that they would probably get tiresome, but I really enjoyed them. Or the one that I've had. It was great. <laughs> but in the absence of that, you know, I'm, I'm willing to go with this double Tarzan trying to fight Airbud. I can live with this. It starts Kruger dominates the first round, throwing Zane in, out, around, and over the ring. It was a lot of prepositions. Sammy gets a burst of energy, though, and is able to do this gorgeous and very deadly looking exploder suplex where he just bodily hurls Kruger behind him and just into the turnbuckle. I mean, Miles' turnbuckle. Turnbuckle. Yes. And then Zane does his stomping powered snoot boop, pins (laughs) Kruger, and he takes the first fall. So I'm like, okay, Kruger has to get the next one. That's the law. That's just what we do here. So back from commercial, we see the body of Zane just crash from the top turnbuckle to the mat outside the ring. It is a heck of a dive. It's not Adrian Neville biffing it levels of like commitment where I just went, oh, my God, you don't care if you live or die, do you? But it was real
1: close. I'd like to think even Neville would. Shy away from that his level of commitment if it was a fall from the top rope to the floor.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would hope that they both have that level of self-preservation, but clearly Sami Zayn does not.
1: They're pro wrestlers. They don't, I guarantee
0: <laughs> <it>. <laughs> So there's some back and forth and Zayn flies a little, but Kruger rolls out of the way. And so now looks like a good opportunity for Kruger to close the deal. So Zayn crawls back to the ring. And I'm kind of personally just zoning in and out because I'm really just waiting for Kruger to get the next fall. Like, I hear you. Yeah, all of this is just set dressing, right?
1: It looked like a good opportunity to do it, too, because it looks like Zayn was going to get counted out at that moment. Because yeah. he, he barely got back into the ring at the count of nine. And the announcers are making a big deal about how if he gets counted out, that counts. That's a win for Kruger.
0: Yeah. And so now it just kind of descends into some back and forth. And Zayn comes at kruger but kruger is able to roll out of the way and that looks like another really good opportunity for kruger to close the deal it feels like we're just teasing when kruger is going to do this Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: he gets this ugly hold on zane wrenching his elbow behind zane's head that looked legitimately painful and i like i've done enough yoga i have a flex But, ah, shoulders shouldn't do that.
1: Zane's tapped out to that before. Like, he has lost to Kruger to that move in previous matches. I believe the announcers called it a GC3, which I think must be his name for it, but I haven't, I don't recall them saying it before. Yeah, I I know. know. I was
0: like, oh, you have a name for it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, well, Zane has to tap now, right? And he doesn't. He gets to the ropes and he breaks it. So that's weird. Kruger doubles down and he prepares to do his big old cricket slice. But when he comes at Zane, you know, like a crocodile lying in wait for a gazelle. Zane grabs Kruger's head, drops him to the mat in what I think was a DDT.
1: I would call it a flatliner. OK, I don't know what that is, but. <laughs> yeah, basically. So a DDT usually involves you like wrapping your arm around the guy's neck and then falling down. Mm-hmm. A flatliner is, is basically like um it might also be called a face buster. He kind of grabbed his shoulders and like just dropped backward and drove his face into the mat.
0: Wrestlers, why would you do these things? You have muscles and faces and stuff. Stop doing this. <laughs> so he does this flatliner and then transitions into a submission hold that's like stretching Kruger's neck with Zane's thigh. And I mean, obviously, most of us would welcome getting anywhere close to Sammy Zane's thighs. But Kruger taps, because he's he's not into it, and I was shocked that Kruger tapped.
1: So that move is called the Koji Clutch. Okay. And it is one of my favorite submission holds ever. It's a really beautiful hold, I love it, and, uh, and I have seen many wrestlers tap out to it.
0: I was curious, because... Zane beat Kruger, a submission specialist with a submission. Zane doesn't usually try to get someone to tap out. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. even know that he's had a tap out victory prior to this. I don't remember.
1: Not that I can recall.
0: Is it like a thing in wrestling that it's insult to injury when you beat someone using their own style? Like if Bo Dallas beat Neville with a high flying move, it would be like, oh, man, the balls on you. How dare you?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on how much it plays into the rest of the match. But yes, there's definitely a case to be made that uh, beating somebody with their own style when it's a style you don't normally use yourself is, is insulting. It's interesting they chose to have Sammy win with the submission here. I think it was they really wanted to make him look strong. I think this match was all about, look, we're going to have Sammy beat Kruger in two falls. We're going to have the second one be a fucking submission hold, like a crazy submission hold that we don't see very often and that Sammy doesn't use very often. And he's getting some out of this looking really good, which is a really interesting thing about this match. Yeah. I'll actually have more to say about it a little bit later.
0: Yeah, I was very curious because I thought it was interesting that they tanked so much of the threat that they had made into leo kruger by doing this Mm -hmm. it was like okay they're not burying kruger but they're not doing him any career favors with this
1: well thank you for that breakdown and how did you find this episode
0: It had stupid bullshit, and I fucking love stupid bullshit so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes I'm like, oh, come on, stop wrestling. Just do stupid bullshit. But I did enjoy the matches. I could have lived without the Tyler Breeze, Mason Ryan one, even though it had stupid bullshit in it and I enjoyed it. But I was kind of like, oh, this was just to make Tyler Breeze look good. You could have just come out, held up a sign that said, and Tyler Breeze is good at wrestling. And I would have been like, okay, fine. I don't know that I love watching technical matches unless it's like ridiculous comedy technical matches, but I really enjoy watching the chemistry between Natalia and Emma, even though I'm not necessarily into technical matches. So that kind of surprised me that I was, I was so into just the chemistry that I was like, oh, you know what? This is fine. I mean, I'm a basic Bob. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I like high flying. I want to see people do bat shit stuff. That is my jam.
1: And that's fine. I mean, you know, honestly, Sherrod is the same way. She'll be like, yeah, I, I really appreciate the skill that's going into this technical match. I'm still bored. Sorry. Yeah,
0: I mean, I want to I want to be super into it. And maybe it's a thing. Maybe it, Green Olives. This is a Green right. Olives situation. Right. I need to get drunk and watch, you know, a hour long technical match and then somehow I'll have this metamorphosis and get into it.
1: And you haven't seen a lot of great ones. You know, NXT hasn't given us a ton of great technical wrestling so far. And it says something to me that this one, which I thought was very good and which I thought Emma and Natalia had a really good chemistry, which you need for a great technical wrestling match. The fact that it grabbed you despite your lack of preference for the style, yeah. I think is a really good sign. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, what we're going to be doing is moving into the next part of our show. But before we can do that, Bob, we got to ring the bell. Oh my
0: God, I forgot. Okay. All right, lay it on me.
1: At least one of your questions is about to be answered, Bob, because we are ringing the bell for Leo Kruger. Really?
0: Okay, I'm shocked. Okay.
1: Uh, You talked about how they weren't doing him any favors, and that is probably because this is the final appearance in professional wrestling of the Leo Kruger character. Okay. Now, I can't find anything concrete as to why the NXT creative team decided to get rid of Kruger, but the popular theory online is that they just didn't think the character was getting over with the audience, which... It's kind of weird to me. Like, at some point in the match, he started doing this, like, who, who, yeah. who thing, and they were still chanting it. Yeah. But whatever the reason, this ignominious two straight falls loss to Sami Zayn is the last we will see of our beloved South African Craven the Hunter, either in NXT or anywhere else. However, while we are saying goodbye to Leo Kruger, we are not saying goodbye to the man who plays him, Raymond Lepan Oh! He is one of several NXT prospects who wasn't fired, but was repackaged, which in mm. wrestling means they gave him a brand new, totally different character and pretended he wasn't the same person as before. <gasps> and we will talk about that character when we meet him in the not terribly distant future.
0: Oh, I'm very interested.
1: All right, Bob, with that, I think it's time to get into the sight, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. Yes. So, Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see?
0: I mean, Natalia's outfit, I think, just speaks for itself. But there was a moment that called to me, Mason Ryan looking into the distance and muttering, idiot, after he shoves (laughs) a dollar into Sylvester LaFour's mouth, that blank stare of just like disdain reminded me of almost every horse I have ever dealt with. It was <laughs> uncanny. So I loved it. I was delighted. Uh, Miles,
1: what did your elf I see? Well, speaking of uncanny, as is so often the case, Bob, we have taken our Elf Eyes segments from the same backstage segment. Oh, yes. Uh, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, but Sylvester LaFour doesn't just have like a bill. It's not just like any bill that he uh, shows to Mason Ryan, because what happens is Mason Ryan shows up and Sylvester LaFour is like, if you join the Legionnaires, we could both make a lot of money. And he holds up this bill. It is a $1 bill. I know! (laughs) I love it! We can make a lot of money as I stroke this picture of President George Washington. (laughs) All right, Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear? You've already mentioned it, but it
0: bears repeating. Whenever Alex Riley says, was his phone cover made of ostrich fur? And then in the most humorless and dour (laughs) tone, Tom Phillips says ostriches don't have fur. (laughs) I love a killjoy so much. (laughs) The amount of just pure, quiet, simmering hatred for Alex Riley saying anything that Tom Phillips just kind of exudes with that line was palpable, and I loved it.
1: Well, and the best part of it is that is the context, because what's happening is that when Tyler Breeze comes down to the ring, Regal says something about how his his outfit is made of like 100 percent Brazilian polecat. Yes. And it's just kind of a funny line. And like Tom kind of laughs. And then Alex is like, well, but what about his phone? What is that? I'm going to try to get on on this because I'm Alex Riley and I can't leave anything well enough alone. (laughs) Is Is that ostrich fur? And Tom just sounds so tired.
0: Tom Phillips is the methadone for Brad Maddox, I feel like.
1: <laughs>
0: Miles, what did your Vulcan ears hear?
1: You know, I almost went with uh, a Regal Riley moment, but uh, I had to ditch that plan. At the end of the sing-off segment, mm. when Aiden English, after he's attacked Colin Cassidy, is going back up the ramp. And a couple people in the crowd are chanting for an encore. Mm. <laughs> and he just turns around and goes, you don't deserve one. Oh, that's so good. Obviously, they betrayed him. <laughs> uh, I love that. They it. don't appreciate Italian opera. They're Philistines. They don't deserve an encore. All right, Bob, what did your human heart feel? I felt
0: shock to my core, rocked that Zane won in the second fall. I mean, I was delighted, but just going, oh, you lured me in. And I was so pleased by it because for me, the whole point of reinforcing a trope, the value is that then you get to subvert it later on. And it was fun to see it subverted. I love it whenever I get to be surprised by something because sometimes wrestling can feel very samey, which I Mm -hmm. don't mind. That to me is one of the strengths of wrestling is that it can feel very samey. I find that soothing. (laughs) Um, Other people may feel differently and that may be why they don't like it. But getting to go, oh, you got me. That's fun. That's always fun.
1: It's one of those things that really has to happen. Like it's just so important every once in a while to have oh, a two yeah. out of three falls match end in two falls, because otherwise, why are we even having them? You know Absolutely. what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Miles, what did your human heart feel? Again, same match.
1: I felt so strongly Sami Zayn's ability to generate sympathy through his resilience. Yes. Um, and this match, it's one of the reasons that I I was so interested by the fact that, you know, Zane wins. Two straight falls, the last one with the submission, as we discussed. It makes him look so strong by the end of the match. And yet he spends the entire match getting his ass kicked. We've yeah. talked about we've talked about your typical wrestling formula, which starts off with the babyface doing really well. And then the heel takes control and the babyface has to kind of fight back. Right. That didn't yeah. happen in this match. The first thing that happens in this match is they run toward each other. And Kruger, like, elbows him down. And then Kruger spends the entire first fall beating him up until Sammy manages to get an opening and catch him with the exploder suplex into the turnbuckle and then that kick. And then he wins the first fall. And then we go to commercial. We come back from commercial. They're on the top rope. And that's when Sammy Zane takes the big fall to the outside. Kruger spends the entire second fall beating him up. And then Sammy pulls the the flatliner and the submission hold out of nowhere at the end. It's so interesting to me. And I think that the effect is and this has everything to do with sammy and his ability to play to the crowd his ability to play that underdog babyface and peril role you can't keep this man down he's so good at wrestling mm. that even when he spends the entire match getting beat up He'll still take both falls from you because that's just how much like heart and grit and determination and resilience he has. And that is just the core of the NXT Sami Zayn character to me. And I loved it so much. He's such a gem. All right. Well, those were the sights, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. It's about time for the wrestling term of the week. But first. We have to hear about last episode's wrestling term of the week, which was actually a wrestling move of the week. Bob has crafted a fanfic explaining the power bomb, and we're going to hear it right now.
0: Thank you Tigranosaurus for suggesting these characters. <laughs> With my havoc staff, I have turned the entire audience into potted plants. No more will I have to listen to their chants of He-Man. Now, audience, finally you are doing something useful. All that is left is to defeat He-Man. Skeletor cackled, fists raised triumphantly at the stage lights. The audience of plants sat silently. He-Man
1: stepped forward. No, Skeletor. I will not allow it. These people paid for their tickets. They deserve to see the show, chant for their favorite wrestlers, and enjoy themselves. Turn them back immediately.
0: No, I won't, and you can't make me.
1: Do it, or I'll bring out Orko to do it.
0: I would rather break every bone in someone else's body than spend even two seconds with that overrated heap of useless laundry. You dare to threaten me? I'll destroy Orko and you both. Skeletor raised his Havoc Staff and leapt towards He-Man in a head scissors takedown. He-Man nodded, as if this was what he had expected, and grabbed Skeletor firmly, halting his momentum. He hoisted him up so Skeletor was balanced on He-Man's shoulders. No! 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 Even though He-Man's face was obscured by Skeletor's body, the voice rang out across the plant-filled room. I have the power bomb! Skeletor flailed his arms wildly as He-Man screamed spun around, slammed him down, nearly driving him through the mat. Skeletor lost control over the spell, breaking it, returning all the audience to their human forms. They screamed in approval at the sight of Skeletor prone on the mat. He-Man pinned Skeletor and the audience, jumped to their feet, howling in glee while also dusting potting soil off of themselves. (laughs) Skeletor groaned and rolled out of the ring into the waiting arms of his faction. Merman and Beastman helped him to stand and walked him out of the ring as Skeletor screamed, I'll get you, He-Man! I will have the power bomb of Grayskull if it's the last thing I do.
1: I love it so much.
0: It was a stupid pun, and I was like, how can I not? That that <laughs> fruit is so low-hanging. It's this just is, calling to me.
1: It's like starting to get really ridiculous, like, how in sync our brains are sometimes, Bob. <laughs> and we'll find out more about that in the Cheap Pop Quiz. Oh thank you so much, God. Bob, for I that fanfic.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. It means everything to me.
1: Thank you to Tigranosaurus for suggesting these characters, and thank you so much to Dan Malkarin and Chris Newton for voicing the same characters that they voice on Garden Plots with Skeletor. I came to them at the extremely last minute because... My schedule is hectic and I was editing this and I was like, oh shit. And uh both of them responded like the fucking champions and podcaster heroes that they are, and it's glorious. Thank you so much. If you're not listening to Garden Plots with Skeletor or Mega Dumbcast. Really or Mega Dumbcast, but I'm I'm specifically calling out Garden Plots, because like this is what you get if you listen to Garden Plots, is you get Dane as Skeletor and Chris as as He-Man, with Bob as the writer. That's true. That is exactly um,
0: what you get.
1: That's exactly what you get.
0: Thank you to you two perfect angels for doing this.
1: With that out of the way, it's time for this episode's wrestling term of the week. All right. And the wrestling term of the week is Texas Tornado. Okay. Now, Bob, as you may have seen, the main event of next week's episode is a tag team match between Hunico and Camacho and The Ascension. However, this is a very specific kind of tag team match known to modern wrestling fans as a tornado match or a tornado tag. That last name, however, is a misnomer. Because the difference between a regular tag team match and a tornado tag team match is that there are no tags. (laughs) All four wrestlers are allowed to be in the ring at the same time throughout the match, and any of them are eligible to be pinned or submitted at any time. Therefore, it is not technically a tag team match. Its original name and the more accurate name is the Texas Tornado match. So named because the first one that we know of took place in Houston, Texas, in 1936. Oh, wow. When the team of Tiger Daula and Fazal Mohammed took on Heinrich Milo Steinborn and Whiskers Savage.
0: The past is a very interesting place.
1: <laughs> now, this wasn't just the first Texas Tornado match. It is actually the earliest recorded match in history involving teams of wrestlers and represented the birth of tag team wrestling as we know it today. There are some disputed reports of teams of wrestlers fighting one another as far back as 1901. Specifically, there supposedly was a team match in 1901 in San Francisco. But that's been kind of shakily confirmed slash unconfirmed. And for the most part, until this match, wrestling was very strictly confined to one-on-one contests. Dowla and Muhammad versus Steinborn and Savage was a weird experiment. Let's see what happens when we put four wrestlers in the ring rather than two. Hmm. It was actually a special attraction following the night's scheduled main event. And like most wrestling matches at the time, it was two out of three falls. Oh, yeah. Most wrestling matches in the olden days were actually two out of three falls matches. And incidentally, like the Zayn Kruger match we just watched, it ended after only two falls with Dowla and Muhammad winning both Okay. Now, many people at the time found the team concept utterly bizarre, but (laughs) it grew rapidly in popularity until matches involving teams started springing up everywhere. And it was only after this happened that the idea began to evolve, and rules began to get put in place, and tagging became a thing. And I mean, no spoilers, but when you watch the tornado match next episode, you will absolutely be able to see why tagging became a thing. (laughs) We've talked so much about the beats and tropes that tag team matches depend on for their drama. And you lose literally all of it when you remove tags from the equation. Mm. It's just four dudes fighting each other instead of two. Now next episode's main event does attempt to mitigate this a little bit because NXT makes the match no count out and no disqualification. I don't know this for sure, but I don't believe that is industry standard for modern Tornado matches. At any rate, it is very easy to understand why you don't see the Texas Tornado very often anymore. But it is a very important part of wrestling history as the sort of unrefined work in progress ancestor of tag team wrestling. That's so cool. Yeah, so like kind of a half wrestling history this time around, but yeah. Uh, You will be prepared for the tornado match as it occurs on the next episode. And come back on our next episode for Bob's fanfic explaining the Texas tornado match.
0: Yeah, I get to use four characters.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun. All right, Bob. Well, we are rapidly approaching the end of our show. But as always, before we can get there, we have to go through the cheap pop quiz. Come on, points. Question number one, Bob. Bob. I'm going to tell you something about the next episode. It's going to make you very happy. Okay. Xavier Woods is back. Yeah! For now, at least. See, uh, since his last appearance, Woods actually made his debut on the main roster, teaming up with a wrestler named R-Truth because the only thing Vince McMahon has ever known how to do with black people is team them up with each other. Mmm. But Woods has also gotten involved in the authority storyline, which has involved the authority kind of flexing their muscle and and anybody who stands up to them, they punish. And the authority is looking to punish Woods for his interference. Mm -hmm. Who do they make him wrestle as part of this punishment? A. Bray Wyatt. B. The Big Show. C. Randy Orton. D. Triple H. Or E. Alexander Rusev.
0: And this is going to be on... NXT on the
1: episode of NXT. Yes.
0: Rusev makes sense. I feel like Randy Orton was in that montage. So Mm -hmm. I think he's been on NXT in the past year. So I don't think we're going to get him back. I'm going to say the big show. Why not? Okay, going with the big show. Oh, no. You know what? I want to see Triple H wrestle. People think he's a thing. All right. I'm saying Triple H.
1: Triple H. Okay, switching over to D. Triple H is your answer. Question number two. Speaking of this whole Xavier Woods thing, which authority figure of the time, who has also been an authority figure in real life, shows up in NXT to give Woods the bad news? Is it A. Former Minnesota Governor Jesse the Body Ventura. Hmm. B. Current Knox County, Tennessee Mayor Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane. C. Legendary wrestler and founder of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Antonio Inoki, who until recently was a member of Japan's House of Counselors. D, Linda McMahon, Vince's wife, former WWE CEO and, until recently, head of the United States Small Business Administration. Mm. Or E, current U.S. President Donald Trump.
0: If it's Donald Trump, I'm going to burn my fucking TV to the ground. (laughs) Um, You know what? I saw a gif of Kane today. I feel like that's a sign from the universe.
1: Kane. Okay, Kane is your answer. It is not Donald Trump, don't worry. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Question number three. You know what? I'm just so happy Xavier Woods is back that we're just going to go ahead and make all these questions about him, if you don't Yay. mind. Uh, last time we saw Woods, he had a kind of Power Rangers thing going on where he shouted, It's Morphin Time! Yeah! What classic nerd catchphrase has he appropriated this time? Yeah. Is it A? I know Kung Fu from The Matrix. B? Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry from The Incredible Hulk. C? I have the power! Yeah! From He Man and the Masters of the Universe. D? I love it when a plan comes together mm-hmm. from The A Team. Or E? It's over 9,000 from Dragon Ball Z. Oh,
0: man. I think I've got to read on what kind of nerd shit Xavier Woods is into. And I feel okay. pretty strongly it's going to be a Dragon Ball Z thing.
1: OK, so you're selecting E. It's over 9,000.
0: But I kind of hope it's the He-Man
1: one. Well, come back on our next episode to see how many... If indeed any points Bob has picked up in this edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. As always, thank you so much for making it to 2014 with me here on this show.
0: (laughs) You know what? I thought we'd never get here. I thought 2014 was a dream you came (laughs) up with. And Miles, here we are. We've reached... I don't want to say the promised land, it's still 2014, but you know.
1: We've passed the year mark on this podcast. I'm sorry we didn't do anything special for our anniversary.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I know, we were trying to get a
1: babysitter, but you know. uh, I think it really just like crept up on us because of the way 2020 has gone. Like all of a sudden it was just kind of the anniversary of the show and... It's crazy that it's been over a year. It's crazy that we have so many patrons that are helping us out on this show. Really, thank you all so much. And I have an update in that regard. A few updates, actually. Oh, yes. Bob. So as you all know, I have uh, put all of our patrons into the game Extreme Warfare Revenge, and I've been playing with them, so to speak. (laughs) It's been a hell of an experience. I haven't played this game in a very long time. I did not remember how resistant the game is to intergender wrestling.
0: Oh, boy.
1: And it's kind of hilarious because every time I run a TV show, I I like book a TV show with our characters. Even though I've set all of your characters to like the maximum possible, like great attitude and great behavior. So many times the male characters are like, I'm not losing a match to this person. Oh man. I'm not losing a match to a woman. And I have to be like, yes, yes, you are. Oh man. The game has a creative control mechanic built in so that if you give a wrestler if a wrestler has creative control it means they can override your booking so (gasps) if they say i'm not losing to a woman you can't make them do it
0: oh my Um, god
1: we're not doing that with any of our shit i I didn't give anybody creative control so all of the characters i'm like yes actually you are losing to a woman fuck off Um, but sometimes it'll be like The male character is, like, sluggish in the ring, or, like, they could tell their heart wasn't in it. I'm like, fuck you, game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This game is secretly Vince McMahon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The other hilarious thing that's happening... So the, first of all, the game is telling me that I need more wrestlers. What? <laughs> well, because I only have like I don't even have thirty people wrestling for the company right now, oh, all right, which is a all little right. bit odd. Go to AEW; they got them lying around. Well, that's the hilarious thing. So the company is is also tracking WWE and AEW, oh, and what? since they're we're not directly competing with them, like we don't have shows on Wednesday night or whatever. But like we're kind of in the same, you know. uh... General like status in American wrestling. And so it's kind of keeping us abreast of what's happening. And the funniest thing about it is that because the game is so old and it doesn't really account for like the way modern wrestling works now. The way that AEW and WWE have their rosters like does not work within the game's logic. So the first thing that happened with the other companies when I started the game is they just fucking fired so many people. <laughs> <laughs> Like and what? you get notify and you get notifications in the beginning. So like for the first month is just full of emails. WWE has fired basically everybody <laughs> in NXT UK and like most people in NXT. Oh and AEW God. has fired like Britt Baker and Jungle Boy and like oh all these people. God. It's fucking hysterical. And I'm sitting here going like I could totally bring in, like, a bunch of people from current wrestling that just got fired from their jobs. I don't know if I should do that. I'm still kind of thinking about it, but we'll see. This game has been a blast. Um, We're currently doing the build-up to the first big pay-per-view, Ill Omens. And um, Bob and I actually had an idea as to how we're going to let you all know... About what happens on Ill Omens. Uh, We are still working out the details, but be prepared for some potentially brand new bonus content that will go very, very in depth into what happens at Ill Omens uh, at a future date. But I will tell you one thing, and that is that at Ill Omens, we have a new champion.
0: (gasps) Oh, my gosh. We're getting to find out the booking early.
1: Sneak peek. This got leaked on the Internet. There's a feud going on right now in the next wrestling fan federation between Harley Hale, given to us by Claire, the sort of uh, glam post-apocalyptic Mad Max type, and David Waters' character, Watership Doom, who is the prophet of doom. And as I was working on the storyline that was going to involve them, uh, David Waters upped his pledge. (gasps) to $10 a month. Yes. Which means that he gets to be the new champion. Thank you, David, so much. You are a peach of a human being. So, David's character, Watership Doom, gets the championship. What I think we're doing is Harley Hale and Watership Doom, their feud is going to be over the number one contendership to Mm. the Next Wrestling Fan Federation Championship. We're going to build up in that way to Watership Doom, who, of course, has prior knowledge of these events, then moving on to take the title from Charles recon who is from the future and also has prior knowledge of these events but he's trying to stop it right because oh he's kind God. of a terminator type this is so. a fight
0: between two blue decks i hate it <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that was a magic uh, the gathering reference and i know almost nothing about it but i know that the people who i love in my life who love magic the gathering are very proud of me right now
1: as one of them yes So, yeah, the details, like I said, will be forthcoming. But for now, what you need to know is that there was a match at Ill Omens, and at the end of that match... Watership Doom emerged as was foretold as your new Next Wrestling Fan Federation Champion. So thank you so much, uh, David, for upping your pledge. We really appreciate it. And you and everybody, stay tuned for more bonus Patreon content, uh, including what happens in the tournament to crown the first ever Next Wrestling Fan Federation Tag Team Champions, which is currently in the works as well. So lots of new stuff coming to you. If you are a patron of our show, which you can be by going over to patreon.com slash fan. if any of this sounds like something you want to be a part of go over there right now we also do lots of other cool stuff here in our show and one of the things we do bob is we have watch parties Me and too. we had one last weekend And it was great.
0: It was so great. Miles, I finally understand why you're angry at AEW. (laughs) Right? I didn't know that that's what they had done to so many of their characters. I was like, well, they were all just, they existed in a bubble that I didn't know about. And so who cares? Then I'm, you know, you showed me the Allie and Rosemary stuff and I'm like, they had art. They had art and they threw it away.
1: Yeah, man, it's rough. Um, Yeah, Bob's referring to the fact that we watched a... We did a special spooky uh, Halloween edition of our watch party uh, for October. We went through a whole journey with the Rosemary Alley storyline and talked about how uh, they made this amazing, tragic, queer love story that took place primarily in hell. Uh, And then uh, Alley went to AEW, who proceeded to do nothing with her because AEW does not care about their women's division. Yeah. (laughs) So... Uh, Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We're going to do another one in December. Keep an eye on our social media for that. We appreciate everybody who interacts with us, who comes and hangs out with us, who gives us money because you're amazing or who just listens to the show and uh, and contributes to our our growth and uh, is going to help us get another year under our belt. So thank you all so much.
0: If you're just a person who happens to be in the room while someone else is listening to it, you're great too.
1: All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of the next wrestling fan. We will be back in two weeks with yet another one. Bye. The next wrestling fan is produced by miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn.
0: Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo.
1: Also, thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and Stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com.
0: We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us.
1: You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness.
0: Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts,
1: and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com.
0: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.
1: I identify as non temporal, so I would appreciate it if you didn't just assume that I like exist within the span of linear time.
0: (laughs) That's so fucking beautiful. It is a construct. I mean, you don't have to, you know, be embodied within it. I personally don't like language as a concept and uh, I would prefer that we communicate in sort of just noises and silences, but with no structure, but
1: you know. I'm boycotting speaking in the present tense, by which I mean I boycotted speaking in the present tense. Oh Jesus Christ. I will boycott speaking in the present tense. You decide. Oh Lord. Anyway.